0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Good morning, you're listening to the best of the Breakfast Grill for 2023. I'm Philip C. Today we will be going through some conversations from the Breakfast Grills focusing on companies. Global economies continue to face headwinds with spillovers from a tumultuous 2022 with inflation and interest rates at record high, affecting many businesses. Geopolitical tensions from several conflicts serve to exacerbate the already volatile landscape. Nevertheless, the year kicked off with a new kid on the block, my airline, in what would be the latest addition to the low-cost airline industry, appearing on the show to share its business plan. In January, Wong Shaoning spoke to MyAirline CEO Rainier Teo about the low-cost business trajectory, which had conducted its inaugural flight in December 2022. With economies just emerging from the pandemic lockdowns, is this the right time to start an airline company? This is what Rainier had to say.
1: Uh, In terms of timing, uh, when we first came up with the idea to basically form another new airline for Malaysia, it was during the height of COVID, Mm. multiple lockdowns, that uh, all of us were going through at that time.
2: Yeah, so you're either incredibly brave or some might even think incredibly crazy, yeah, d- I think dare a, I say?
1: Uh, I believe it's a combination of both. But it's all about timing. Uh, we believe that that was the right time to come in, into into, into this space. Mm. And uh, because of the fact that uh, fundamentally, uh, that the main... Uh, reason why we felt there was a good time was the fact that almost all planes were sitting on the ground, right? So that was basically a very big opportunity. With planes being on the ground, meant that a lot of talent were also sitting idle. And when uh, you had the combination of both, uh, it meant that a lot of ancillary businesses surrounding the aviation market were also uh, sort of like in a space where there were no new, new, new businesses happening. So all these, right, only comes up with one simple conclusion, uh, uh, which is that uh, we will be very effective in terms of cost.
2: And we do know aviation is a notoriously capital-intensive business, right? Um, Daily cash burn when planes are grounded is astronomical. We just have to look at the pandemic to remind us of that. Uh, Italia went bankrupt. And even airlines like SIA and Cathay Pacific, robust, strong, financially solvent airlines required cash injections from their respective governments at the height of pandemic. So do you have the financial backing for My Airlines?
1: When we buy planes, uh, we do not have to pay for the entire fleet at at one go, right? Yes. So uh, we will be putting in uh, plans in terms of how do we finance these planes.
2: So can you give us some colour on this in terms of how you're planning to do so?
1: Uh, It's still in the uh, initial stages Mm. of uh, basically coming up with these uh, plans. Okay. So at this point of time, I think it's a bit too soon to be sharing about that. But for sure, it will be at some point of time this year that we will be needing to look at uh, some form of uh, purchase.
2: I also understand that your target is to be cash flow positive from year one. Now, how is that going to be achieved? I mean, what are the assumptions have, uh, have you made for that to happen, Raina?
1: Okay, so, uh, you, you know, in order to get a license, mm. uh, there are a lot of formalities. And uh, there are, I think, two significant regulators uh, behind this. uh, One one is for the uh, air services license and the other one is for the air operating uh, certificate, right? So uh, in order to be able to receive your air services license, which is commercially driven, you have to have a solid business plan. And at the same time... uh, Provide your funding plans that's aligned towards what you want to do commercially right, and, and operationally. Okay. So the fact that we have managed to receive our air services license means that we have already demonstrated to uh, the regulator that, uh, that, that there is sufficient funding.
2: Okay, so let's talk about this cash flow positive first before we get into your funding. Now, you say four planes. Currently, how many routes are you, how many destinations are you flying from KLIA? The last I checked was five. It's probably changing on a day-to-day basis, right? So from what I look at it, and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not an aviation expert, but it doesn't seem like you have economies of scale. So I wonder how you're going to achieve this cash flow positive. You say you're the right size, but... Is this too small of a size to be the right size?
1: You have to start from somewhere, right? Yes. So basically, we are having plans in place
2: mm.
1: where we will scale up operations.
2: Okay. Yeah. What's so, your target, let's say, by the end of 2023 December? How many planes? How many destinations?
1: Is so, that by uh, then?
2: I mean, because then you say you're going to achieve, be uh, be cash flow positive by then.
1: Yeah. In terms of cash as well, there are mm. multiple ways of making sure that your cash flow positives, right? Yes. Uh, so we have uh, quite big ambitions. So uh, at, the, at this point of time, uh, there are already five sitting in Malaysia and uh, the sixth one will be flown in soon. And we do anticipate that we will have around a fleet size of around 20 planes before the end of this year
0: and that was Ryanair, CEO of My Airline, which despite its big ambitions abruptly suspended its operations in October and had its license suspended as well after having failed to secure a white knight to settle its financial issues. In brighter news, I spoke to Dato Edam Nawawi, CEO of Cellcom DG in September 2023, in which after the merger of Cellcom Axiata and DG.com in December 2022, Cellcom DG is now the single largest telco in the country, as well as the largest local listed tech company on Bursa Malaysia. I asked Dato Edam about his thoughts on the most difficult elements of the merger.
3: Oh, uh, Philip, uh, yes, uh, 10 months just yes, kind of fly uh, we've gone, things are moving so fast uh, we completed our merger in, on December 1st 2022 and our operational day one was January 3rd so we, we used the, the, the month to prepare from day one uh, we focus a lot on making sure that the organisation the people and all that operating as one company uh, there are a few big things that we focus on but one thing that I really personally focus on very much is on the people and the organisation mm-hmm. and the culture of, of, the, company, of the new company It is very important that I always relay the message to everyone that post-merger is not just about a larger DG or a larger Cellcom coming together, but we are building a brand new company with a brand new culture uh, that we want to make sure that we serve all Malaysians. Um, So that's what we did. It's what we focused, having the right management team, the best of the best from the two, two management team. We identified the top 500 leaders within the the first 90 days yep. of, of the company coming together.
0: And now that let's turn our attention a bit to 5G because that's been a lightning rod. So much discussion mm. about the drama development, right, with D N N B, and then with this potential second network. I want to get your perspective right. Where do you see the opportunities in 5G? Everybody says, look, no one's taking up, you have 80% coverage, but if you just saw from our Ministry of Communications data, only 4% of users have utilised 5G. So the hit scratcher here is where is opportunity.
3: Okay. This is a topic that has taken the nation uh, in, in a way, uh, I wouldn't use by storm, but everybody was interested for the reason that it was. But I think uh, there are two parts to this. One is the infrastructure part that's being, that's being built and, and deployed. And I think the, the shift in the strategy or the direction that the, the government has announced as will take place. And I think that will be kind of landed as a country into a better place where we have a bit more redundancy and we can innovate with a little bit more competition in the infrastructure level as well. But I think where the 5G really need to comes in, it's not just about new services for the consumer. It's not just about having a much more efficient network to carry the data for the consumer. But there are new things that, that actually that can bring into excitement into how the network enables new kind of services. And we have seen some of this happening in other countries. Yeah. Uh, in Korea, for example, one of the most innovative in terms of introducing new services uh, for consumers on 5G, which I have seen uh, myself even in the beginning three to four years ago. They totally transform how sports is being consumed, uh, sports content, uh, entertainment content, uh, education content and so on and so forth but more interestingly if you look at uh, for example in countries like China 5G is changing the way the business is being done, being the industries is being done. 5G is changing how ports is being, uh, for example, are uh, being operated. Uh, how transportation is being. Operated. I spoke earlier about how how the automotive industry is is using all the all kind of sensors, right? Um, so I think the adoption of 5G into the industries, especially the SMEs, is will be a lot more impactful to the economy than what it could be done in with the current technology that we have. Uh, And a lot more education needs to be done A lot more awareness needs to be done
0: And as we edge into quarter four I mean, businesses are all beginning to plan for 2024 I'm quite keen to get into your head uh, As a CEO of one of the largest companies here, right? What are your priorities next year? Is it revenue generation or cost savings? Because there's so much concern about economic weakness Economic softness for next year What are your, what's in your mind share, right? In terms of the business going forward Is it more top line, getting more Opportunities executed, or are you actually focused on doubling down and just also making sure we deliver the cost synergies and cost savings?
3: Yeah, um, of course. From coming on, out from the merger, the, focusing on the synergies is priority number one. Yeah, I think that's what we promised to to our uh, stakeholders. Um, when. To achieve that synergy, you probably have to work on both sides, both on the top line and also working very hard on the bottom line. Um, the synergy uh, or the merger offers opportunity for scale when we can help to reduce costs, reduce wastages and, and be more efficient in how we do things. So there's a big opportunity in that and we spend a lot of time on making sure that we achieve those ambitions. But we can't run away from having some growing into, into the market, right? Uh, of course, our core business, and today with the current level of penetration, if you see the level of ARPU, uh, this is the only industry that's actually uh, not contributing to the inflation, right? So we're saying <laughs> that the, the, the pricing level really remains the same as Stamped. it remains stagnant yeah. and it remains very it remains affordable if you compare to other countries yes. in, the, in the region um, uh, but there be, should be new sources of where we can provide better services for our customers and new services for our customers that we can see new growth and uh, we spoke earlier about potentially what new opportunities that 5G will bring. Uh, it's not about charging more for connectivity but new things uh, that uh, 5G enables. Then we're talking about how um, uh, the new solutions for 5G for the industries, SMEs and enterprises. I think this is where the growth area is going to be. Yeah, so that's that's what we will be focusing on.
0: And that was Kato Idam Nawawi, CEO of Salcom DG. We'll have more from the best of the breakfast grill after these messages. Stay tuned BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Welcome back to the best of The Breakfast Grill 2023, where we are talking about some of the companies that made an impact this year. I am Philip C. Next, we have Wong Xiaoning who spoke to the man with a shareholding in 40 companies who is also known for his Midas touch. His name is Dato Eddie Ong. A well-known name in corporate circles has now directed his focus on Hexta Technologies as its CEO.
2: Originally, Hexta Technology is a logistics transportation company, right? But now it seems like there's going to be a new pillar, a new core business, technological services I'm trying to understand why Because if I look at your background You personally have no experience You're more an agriculture Fertiliser man Mm -hmm. So why tech? What do you bring to the table?
4: Yeah, so in fact, I've been transforming myself a lot. You know, uh, at the beginning, you know, during my young age, I'm known as a businessman. Then I transformed to an entrepreneur when I have multiple business. Yeah, then when people ask me, oh, you have many more business, who are you, right? So I say, I'm a deal maker. So after deal maker, then, you know, we went into a lot of traditional business. But uh, all this traditional business is actually managed by professionals. Yeah, then, you know, the latest venture, that we are in is I think the biggest venture and need a lot of nurturing which is in the tech space. Yeah, so I put myself in you know, where I hope to lead my industry with, you know, with uh, more involvement
2: Let's talk about that Midas touch of yours. Mm -hmm. You know, you emerged as a major shareholder of this company in March 2021. Mm -hmm. Around that time, the share price was about a ringgit 10, ringgit 20. Today, it's trading 23 ringgit. Fundamentally, yes, revenue did go up to 162 million ringgit last year, but profit is just 3.7 million versus in 2022, where actually profit was 12 million, so it was actually a higher number. In the meantime the net asset per share is just $0. 92 cents versus $0. 134 cents in 2022. So on paper, why has the share price gone up so much when the actual results paint a different picture?
4: Yeah so so you know when this uh, idea of building a super app comes uh, about two years ago, mm. I did this project under my private scale. You know, until uh, last year, beginning of last year, where I onboarded into uh, Hexta Technology together with our chairman, Tan Sri Muhammad Ibrahim, then, then we decide to say that, you know, we intend to put the whole project under the list so by then, you know, there is already a lot of rumours going around that we are coming out with super app, fintech. Mm. You know, then we start onboard a lot of people. You know, right now we got about 70 staff in our company. We start to talk to a lot of partners. News have been going out. You know, that is the time where I think our prizes uh, our stock prices start to scale. Okay. Because, uh, you know, I've been going around telling people that I want this company to be a unicorn before we, you know, before we roll out our project. Okay. Yeah.
2: So Dato, I also looked at the annual report of some mm. of these companies that you have stakes in. So mm. Parat Transit, Hextar Technologies, mm. Opcom. Yes. And your shares are pledged, yes. right? Yes, yes. Are you not worried that your empire could somehow be just a house of cards that might collapse if there's a margin call Mm. in any of the companies that you own.
4: Yeah, so we are also weighing between the equity portion, the cash portion and also the debt uh, that we are actually taking. You know, uh, we are now still at the very low gearing manner. You know, if you look at our entire portfolio, Mm. you know, but uh, definitely, you know, to buy, we need cash and also the, the bank support. So we are very blessed that we can say that we have a lot of good backing from the banks
2: if market's correct very sharply hmm. what could happen to the hexter group of companies or yeah. all those that come under your you know that you own your yes. stake in
4: yeah so first thing we always look at the fundamental of our listed company if you look if you look at each individual fundamental of our list lisco mm. it is a very strong cash flow uh, generating company you know, meaning... Less so
2: for Hexta te- hex technology, but yes. Yeah,
4: but, uh, you know, and and if you look across my eight-listed company, you know, uh, three or four list co is in net cash position. You know, then uh, the other two is uh, very low gearing. You know, the other two is uh, merely below one, you know, uh, on our gearing. So, you know, if you use eight combined, uh, it is on a very low gearing. So, you know, by by having this type of company... You know, we are not so much afraid of the volatility of the share price.
0: And that was Wong Ning speaking to Datuk Eddie Ong, CEO of Hexter Technologies. Last, we have this F&B company, which has been operating for 26 years and still going strong. Many have bought its cakes to celebrate any occasion, from birthdays to festivities. In August, Wong Xiaoning spoke to Patrick Sim, Managing Director of Secret Recipe, for his, no pun intended, secret to stay relevant in this ever-changing world of F&B.
2: How does a brand stay relevant after so many years? We have seen the demise of multiple brands and trends. There was the donut craze, the boba craze. I think we still see the Korean fried chicken face. And not all have survived. So, what's the secret of Secret Recipe?
5: I think one thing we do well uh, is we are very consistent uh, in terms of our product. Uh, We have a central commissary uh, where we produce all our cakes. So, cakes are one of our top products. uh. And in terms of the quality, in terms of halal, we have always been there and you know, over 360 stores in Malaysia. Uh, we've been able to consistently have a good product. We do follow trends as well, but core of it is it's still a reliable place that people know best.
2: But let's talk about growth, starting with Malaysia. So, currently 362 stores with a store count or target of 400 by 2025, right? So... But that's not a huge increase. So I'm, I'm curious, has Secret Recipe reached a saturation point here in this country?
5: It's definitely getting uh, more challenging to find new markets. Uh, we are in across the whole of Malaysia, including East Malaysia. First tier, second tier, third tier cities already. Besides store growth, we're actually looking at how we can improve uh, same-store sales growth as well. Figuring out how to improve terms of average sales that we have, uh, what kind of day parts we can do, can work on things like drive through and all that. Uh, utilizing technology and online more, because as you open more stores, right, uh, you you have that overhead uh, manpower rentals and all that. But if you can improve your same store sales growth, uh, your margins will ultimately be better. And uh, I think we are comfortable with the kind of growth that we have been. I mean, twenty six years, uh, we're opening about fifteen stores a year. I think it's a good number. Not, it's a sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, we're not driving too hard because uh, mm-hmm. what happens with a lot of brands when they you know they overdrive this. Uh, consistency in operation starts to go down uh, in terms of their products and you know they, they find themselves overstretched uh, in time.
2: Yeah. Are franchisees the reason why Secret Recipe is available in Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, Brunei, Maldives, United States, Australia, Vietnam and Bangladesh?
5: Yeah so for strategy in terms of overseas uh, market we always go for a master franchisee model mm. uh, the reason being uh, the, the local uh, operator there understands the market much better than us. And they're on the ground. Uh. They know the market. They know the customers.
2: You know, how well do they do, especially in mature markets? You know, especially in markets like Singapore, US or Australia, where there's like clearly a plethora of choice and no disrespect to Secret Recipe, but there is not much brand awareness there. So how, how well are those markets doing to, to the overall revenue of Secret Recipe?
5: In terms of overall revenue, overseas doesn't contribute so much uh, because uh, what we have is generally uh, just royalties. Mm. Most of the profits are kept by the franchises themselves, uh, which is, I think, fair uh, because they operate the brand there.
2: 26 years ago, Honestly, Secret Recipe, you guys didn't have much competition. You know, maybe a local bakery, a few cafes here and there. But the cake and coffee culture today is found in almost every corner. And especially for Gen Z, they may pick their choices based on social media. So it's algorithms that are probably the most important food critics and drivers of business. So what is the digital strategy at Secret Recipe?
5: Yeah, so this is a good question, um, uh, especially reaching out to the younger people, yeah. right? So we we're doing quite a number of things uh, in terms of branding to keep it top of mind. Uh. So one of the interesting things we do is uh, we've worked with fashion. Uh, so we've, uh, fashion? Yeah, so we work with brands like, uh, maybe you might not have heard it, but like Color uh, Kisha, we work with Mirafusa to launch like tudongs, uh, scarves, uh, 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 bags, with uh, Secret Recipe-inspired designs, as well as, like, uh, cosmetics. So we work with Nita Cosmetics. Why uh, does the
2: lipstick taste like cheesecake,
5: there? <laughs> so the lipsticks <laughs> are uh, inspired by Secret Recipe cake colours. Okay, not, not yeah. the taste of it. Because we understand that our target market uh, made up mostly of females, uh, made up mostly of uh, Muslims because we are a halal brand. Mm. And uh, from there, we get to target them. And in terms of the younger generation, uh, we have worked with Uniso Music, Okay. So uh, Mother's Day is like, so for example, Mother's Day is one of the top days for us. Uh, they come up with a Mother's Day song mm. and, uh, you know, Secret recipes being featured there.
0: And that was Patrick Sim, Managing Director of Secret Recipe, speaking to Wong Xiaoning. And that's all for our recap on some of the companies featured on The Breakfast Grill in 2023. You can listen to all the conversations featured today via podcast on the BFM app or on our website bfm.my. This has been the Best of the Breakfast Grill 2023. I'm Philip C. and this is BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.